0: Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Almighty Podcast. This is Adam, and uh, with me we've got my good friend...
1: Mike Atkins from NerdsOnEarth.com.
0: And this week we are covering chapters 11 through 20 of the uh, popular comic strip My Hero Academia, Smash. Uh, It's been a lot of fun. The first 10 chapters were great, man.
1: You know, I honestly haven't looked into the actual popularity of this thing. Like, I don't know if fans are just like, we love the Smash mangas, or if they're generally just like... You know, uh, they're they're cold or hot on them, or just they're just like, eh, they're there. You know, I, I don't know. I hadn't, I, I'm totally clueless as to what fan receptions these things are, but we have them and we're reading them.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've been enjoying it. I can't imagine people don't like them. They're they're funny little quick hits. You know,
1: they are. I, I think that uh, there is a lot to be enjoyed from these pages, but I also think that it takes some of the worst things about my hero, namely Minora Minetta, and. Makes him much worse. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, I would agree. It's definitely like um, kind of darker humor. You know, like some of the stuff. It's either really not funny at all, or, or like it's just like differences in what really happened, or it seems like it's kind of like a darker side of like humorish stuff. You know, it's not really like lighthearted humor. It doesn't seem like
1: sometimes there's some pretty just kind of gaggy goofy. Um, comic strips, but uh, yeah, I think on the whole, it, well, I think I read the preface to the first volume in last week's episode. The writer, uh, Hi- Hirofumi Netta, is just very upfront. He's just like, yeah, this is, uh, is going to be a little different than uh, your typical uh, flavor of My Hero stuff. Uh, and he certainly delivers on that, but he also delivers on a lot more um you know, time with these characters, and he doesn't stray from characterizations at all. I just think that he turns them up to like eleven and twelve at times yeah he
0: like he exaggerates their personalities by a thousand percent like it's it's their plus ultra version of their personalities
1: yeah, I mean all of this is very um it's, it's very exaggerated it's very uh they they all feel like caricatures of who they actually are. I think that was the word I was trying to think of last time we recorded that I just never landed on. But you know how if you go to like a street artist and you sit down and you get a caricature of yourself, some of your more prominent features get exaggerated wildly. And that's what, that's what these feel like. They even have, I mean, it's, it's done in that, like, what do they call it? Chibi art style where everybody Mm kind of has bobble, bobblehead sized heads. Yeah, Um, absolutely. So the, the exaggeration begins there and then just, skyrockets when it comes to the things that they say and do.
0: So I'm trying to find some sales data based off of smash compared to like the normal series, and I'm not really finding a whole lot of, uh, sales data for the smash series. However, an article back in October of 2019 states that my hero academia, the main series actually, um, at this point in time. So it's been, you know, a little less than a year ago, uh, it's actually been right at seven months ago, they have sold 24 million copies. So that's a pretty staggering number. Uh, and that was, you know, almost a year ago. So I can only imagine that they've sold a whole bunch more than that because it feels like this series has exploded since then. I wonder
1: how the, the presence of these things inside of, you know, Shonen Jump counts towards... Those figures were not at all, you know, because that's where all this stuff starts, right? It kind of is in there and then collected later in the manga. Is that how it works? I have no
0: idea, honestly. I think so. Yeah. And because this is saying it, at least the way this article reads is as if it's 24 million individual copies, not the Shonen Jump series. Gotcha. yeah, but that's that's the way that I'm understanding
1: it. The pool of manga that exists is not a shallow one, and so for no. one to rise so far above the rest that it it, it, it becomes a f- you know a, the worldwide phenomenon that this has become. You know when you're we we joked about you know my hero stuff blowing up on the shelves of Hot Topic and stuff, but there are a lot of anime that were adapted from manga that you will not find inside of a Hot Topic. Hot Topic. As, as much as it tries to be very like niche and quirky, it still is going for what's going to appeal to the largest number of people. And when uh, uh, something goes from the pages of Shonen Jump to a shelf like that, it says something about its success and wide appeal, not specific appeal.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly.
1: That's why you can buy My Hero Academia shoe, uh, socks and ties at Hot Topic, which we will be well- reviewing shortly.
0: Eventually. Yeah, we got to get to those. And I I mean, that's probably the same reason why you find Dungeons and Dragons in Target now. I mean, the the fact that so many people love it and it's become widely accepted, you know, it's it's not something you're just going to find in your local board game store anymore.
1: Yeah. And some of these products age at different rates. I mean, D&D has been around for decades and it's just now kind of finding that wider release in places like you're saying these larger retail stores like Target. Um, Yeah. But then you have something that, like my hero, that's been around for less than one decade, and and it's it's everywhere. I mean, true. You, you don't have to look really hard to find it.
0: Yeah, no, you're right. Well, I mean, let's dive into some of these smash chapters. Hit me with your first one, man. I'm I'm excited to hear which ones you picked because there were a lot of really good ones with some of your favorite characters in this in these chapters.
1: Yeah, more than one of mine is going to star Aizawa, if I remember correctly. Um, my first one's actually in it's kind of early on in chapter eleven. It's called Katsuki's Finesse, um, and it takes place during the battle between Bakugo and Midoriya um, during the Heroes and Villains staging event, uh, where it's just them uh, soloing against one another. And Midoriya takes place kind of after that scene. I think I shared a comic strip last week where it was like, Midoriya was just like, and, you know, I always know that you lead with this particular move, and then it goes down to, like, him what kind of shampoo he uses in the shower. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, same scene. And what happens here is they're, they're seeing how violent Bakugo is, is becoming and how angry he's becoming. And so like Kirishima is trying to get all might to stop it. And all might says, strangely, a part of him seems calm. I'm not sure if he's just that petty or what. And then Bakugo does that cool move where he kind of blasts over and, and around Midoriya and then hits him from behind. But the result of that particular blast was just that Midoriya ends up like without any hair on the top of his head, and the back of his suit is obliterated, so you see his, you see his behind sticking out. Mm-hmm. And uh, All Might's just like, see, he's just petty. <laughs> like He just wanted to <laughs> yeah. humiliate Midoriya, which is
0: pretty funny. Yeah, I like that one. Mine is actually the next one in that chapter, I believe, and it's named Design Flaw. And Bakugo is talking about his grenades, and he's like, you know, if they designed these properly, it should be collecting sweat, and I should be able to pull off a massive blast. And then it, it turns over to the people that designed the hero outfits, and the guy is like, hey, who designed this one? And someone says, oh, that was me. And he goes, oh, we gotta warn him real quick, because if I'm reading this correct, the blast will go backwards. And then the next scene is... Bakugou's grenades going off in his face.
1: <laughs> yeah, that one's a couple strips before... uh before, Yeah, on this one, but it is pretty good. You see the yeah, people at the Hero so Design Department freaking out. Yeah. <laughs> and they call him Explodo Boy, which I thought was pretty funny, too, in, in this oh, that is, in this translation anyway.
0: That's good. They did not have that in, uh, in my translation.
1: All right, my next one was called Something Smells. This is the second one in chapter 13. Um, and... <laughs> Uh, I'm remembering how funny this one is. It's been like a few hours since I reread these. And this one's great. So Midoriya gets hauled into um, Recovery Girl's uh, little suite uh, (laughs) to get taken care of. And um, apparently she has lunch on order and it gets there right after he arrives. So she orders spicy dumplings and garlic ramen and something called gooey natto. And apparently all those things are like, pungent, powerful flavors and smells. And so she eats all that, um, and then kisses Midori to make him better. And then the very last panel is him sitting at home across the table from his mom. And Enko's just like, I thought you loved Nato Izuki. Uh, and he's just like, not tonight, mom. Like he's just, he's just grossed out, which I thought yeah, was pretty
0: funny. That was funny. Uh, there was a side note in the translation for mine that said Nato is like a very, uh, How did it phrase it? It was very uh, slimy, type of like eel, I guess, or something. And so it would make a kiss very slimy. I
1: thought that was funny. Gross. Yeah, I know.
0: That's gross. Uh, My next one is uh, That's What He Thinks Of, is what the title of it was. And they're talking, I believe it's Kirishima and Kaminari, and they're talking about Bakugo's uh, abilities, his quirk. And and they're like, man, can you imagine going into a sauna with that guy? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I just thought that was funny.
1: (laughs) That was one of a couple where like Kaminari Was like brainstorming about some of the implications of some of the quirks. Mm -hmm. Like, doesn't he get into one where he's talking out loud about Todoroki's and he's like, man, he would never need air conditioning at his house or something like that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think so. And there's, I want to say there's one where it's either him or Ochako that's asking Todoroki, like, what are your weaknesses? And he just says, I think handshakes. Yeah. Which I thought (laughs) was pretty funny. (laughs) All
1: right. My next one. is called Campaign Platforms, and this takes place during the election oh, yes. of a class leader. Did you pick this one, too?
0: Yeah, this one was one of mine. Okay. I love this,
1: this one. This is the first one that we picked the same of. We're f-
0: I don't know. We had one last episode, where I, did, but I think I just ran over you and just said another one, and you were like, oh, that one was mine. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that right now. All right. So, I, um, yeah, so this one, they're all given their um, pitches to why they should be the class president. So, you have like Kirishima making a pitch. Um, his, his sign just says, get swole. And then you have, um, let's see, Bakugo is on here as well. And he's making a pitch, but he's all angry and stuff. Um, but then the very last thing is like you hear all these people are kind of reacting to these different, um, these different slogans. Mina's got one, too. And then finally, after all this hubbub and back and forth, it's just the last panel is Aizawa, who just says, we're done here. I'm the president now. And he just has this <laughs> sign that says rational policymaking, which is his platform. Which I, <laughs> that, that one made me laugh pretty good.
0: Yeah, that was good. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and do my next two because they're before that comic strip. So I don't think you would have taken either of these and they correlate with each other. Okay. Uh, so the first one is during the, they, so they do the Midoriya versus Bakugo and Achaco, you know, winning the uh, match against each other when they're playing, you know, the good guys and the bad guys. But then they, they show some of the other uh, verses, I guess, the other battles. I don't know how you, how you put that. The other matches, matches, battles. I, I think yeah. either
1: one of those is fine. Yeah.
0: So they they show the other matches and there's one where Manetta and Momo are teamed up together and it was just so funny because Momo is talking about how she's going to try to like replicate some rope and Manetta just totally misunderstands what she's saying and you know she's using the words like bondage and stuff so she turns around and he's tied himself up and he's like please go easy on me and in between this one and another strip uh, Tokoyami happens to to see what's happening between the two of them so then in my second strip uh, they're all in class together again and Mineta and Momo are both acting really awkward around each other and Kaminari and Ochako are talking and they're like, oh, what's going on between those two? Like, wasn't there a moment when they weren't on the camera? We don't know what happened. And uh, Kaminari is like, well, I know that Tokoyami saw, so uh, let's pe- pester him for it. And Tokoyami just says, my beak is sealed. <laughs> Which I thought that was funny. <laughs> See, I like man, the, the reason some... I thought it was so funny was because of the way he sneezed and his beak moved that one episode, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah. See, in mine, she doesn't use the word bondage anywhere. She just asks him to set up a bunch of traps. Um, and then they get all tangled up in it, which is what Tokoyami sees. And then in the, in the second one that you're talking about, he says, I like, uh, what'd you say, my beak is sealed?
0: My beak is sealed.
1: Yeah, that one's... I mean, this one is Their Secrets Die With Me, which is more dramatic, but less funny.
0: Yeah, yeah. There, there is some very interesting translation differences here, and I wonder which one's more accurate. I mean, obviously, yours is the official published, you know, version, but I wonder how much of the slang is coming through on my translations.
1: Oh, you know, that's a good point. Thinking about what Netta would have... Uh, the The writer... You know, he he've obviously was very upfront about making it a little bit more vulgar than My Hero actually is. And so I wonder if that was kind of toned down to be able to just get published to that the same audience that would normally pick up the manga. And what you're seeing is what he wrote translated more directly. That would be an yeah. interesting truth if we could figure that out.
0: Yeah, I mean, I have... I have no way of knowing how we would even figure that out, but it, it was one of the things I was thinking of because I'd compared some of the stuff that I had read compared to what you're seeing. And I was just like, you know, I, I wonder if that's what's going on If it's because I can't imagine that in Japanese culture some of these are taken maybe as seriously as they are in Western culture. I mean, i don't I don't know for sh- sure, but it seems like there would probably be a lot of slang and little things that were that just don't translate right unless you're reading it directly from their language because I know. On the site that I'm reading these through, there are times when like the comics don't make sense, and I'm wondering if they're just poorly translated. But they probably make sense when you've retold them to me because they're translated for our language. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I hear you.
1: I'll I'll see if I can't um, sleuth that out. Um, I hadn't even that thought hadn't crossed my mind until us having this conversation right now. That that what you could actually be reading isn't just this fan made. Super gross version just because it's translated by a bunch of, you know, teenage boys, so much as it could be exactly what Netta wrote, but it was dialed back for mass production so that the same, you know, uh, younger audience that would normally pick up a volume of the manga would be able to pick it up and not like parents wouldn't grow concerned or angry over it.
0: Yeah, definitely. More sales that way. You, you've got a much broader audience. So who, who knows? It's possible. It'd be cool if we could find out. All right, my next one is
1: called Valentine's Blues, um, and to give a little bit of context for this one, um, Midnight kind of dupes a handful of the Class 1A boys into working an event for her, and some of them end up in, like, maids' dresses, and is among them. Well, then, like, a picture or a video of Midoriya in this dress makes it onto the news, and this is seen... Um, on the television while he's at home with his mom. And his mom is like, isn't that you in that dress, Izuku? And he's like, wait, mom, I can't explain. And she's like, yeah. of course, you can tell me whenever you're ready, there's no pressure. And then in the very last panel, it's uh, this is, of course, Take a Place on Valentine's Day, that's the title. Um, you see Midori and he's standing there and there's this bag at his feet and it says, here's a little Valentine's goodie bag for you, Izuku, and please know that you can always talk to me about anything, whenever, love, mom. Uh, and it was just like you could tell that it was very much like a uh, he's thinking or she's thinking that maybe he might have a different sexual persuasion than he actually does, um, right, yeah. based on his cross dressing. That it it took me a minute, like it took me two reads to really grasp what was going on. But as soon as that that part of it clicked for me, I thought that that was that was very subtly and cleverly done the way that it was delivered.
0: It was an awesome mom, right? You know, like she just loves her guy, right? So my next one had me cracking up. Is This is actually my favorite one probably in the entirety of all of these chapters. Uh, it starts with them talking about, well, I say them, it's, it starts with it describing the UA security defense system. And then in, at the very end, uh, there's a, a picture of the principal Nezu, and he's got like a bunch of, I guess, like burned fur on top of his head. And I think it's midnight that's like, what happened to you? And he's like, oh, the defense system mistook me as a vermin again. And they had shown a panel right before this where all of the uh, security is like laid out. And one of the things is that they have these new advanced lasers that target vermin and zaps bugs. And I just, I, that killed me.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Because we don't know if he's a bear or a mouse or a cat or what, right? Exactly. My next one is called fair usage. And this is right after they get to the USJ and they make that comparison um, to Universal Studios Japan. Um, and they're like, oh man, it looks just like this place. They even have like a scene where I guess in the water rescue area, there's like a shark that's leaping out of the water. And they're like, it's just like the other one. Um, and then the last panel is just Mineta who's standing below this sign that just says must be this tall. And yes, he says, yeah. it looks like they won't <laughs> let me in. And that made me laugh pretty good too.
0: I like that one. That one's one of mine as well, except in mine, it's translated. Uh, I think it's commonari at the end that just says, oh, look, Manetta can't save people. <laughs> I thought that was really funny. Oh, yeah. That's all enough.
1: That's pretty good. Yeah, I guess Manetta won't be doing much rescuing. Yeah. That was uh, just so, a funny little... Uh, that was a good gag. I really liked that one.
0: I thought so, too. Yeah, I enjoyed that one quite a bit. Uh, my next one is actually a Moneta one as well, and it is a Valentine's Day uh, strip. So he's, he's going through the hallways, like, dropping chocolate bars and oh, then yeah. having women pick them up, so that way he can tell other guys that a girl handed him some chocolate. And at the end, the other guys realize what's going on, and they're just like, "Oh, I'm really sorry. Let's go grab something to eat, man." <laughs>
1: <laughs> Poor Manetta. He he gets made sympathetic occasionally.
0: Occasionally, yeah. But it's like little things like that where you're just like, "I kind of feel bad for him," and then you read some of the other comic strips, and you're like, "Not at all."
1: Yeah, but at the same time, like that strip kind of makes you want to feel bad for him a little. But at the same time, he's also like trolling women. Like that's sure. what he's out there doing. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> So it's just yeah. like you, you still cannot be a lovable c- character, unfortunately. Right. All right. My next one. Um, This was an Aizawa centric one. Um, and it was just, it's not super funny, but it just felt on point for Aizawa. It's when they first get to the USJ again. And 13 is going over all these rules. And she's like, she starts with, she's like, I have one or two points. And then it ends up being five, six, seven. And then the last panel is just Jiro, who is one of my other favorites, my favorite student, is yelling at Aizawa because she's like, "Hey, if we don't get to nap, then neither do you." And he's over uh, off in the corner of the panel in his sleeping bag, and he's just like, "Is it over?" That's <laughs> classic Aizawa.
0: Oh, uh, that wasn't there one in the last chapter where he is like on a mission somewhere and he's in his sleeping bag sleeping on top of the like uh, bridge or something. That yeah, there's something like that. I there think was I, something like that I know in what the you're last. About. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Uh, So, anyways, my my next one, I'm I'm going to go ahead and do two back to back again, just because they're pre any of yours, I believe. If you're still going chronologically, I am, Uh, and they tie in together. So, this is another Valentine's Day one, and it's so funny because uh, people are bringing in sweets to UA, and at the front, Ida is like trying to nail people with sweets down. He's like, "Oh, you can't bring in sweets. You got to be aware that you know you're in UA. Like, if you bring those sweets in here, the teachers could smell them, and that may make them not be able to teach or something." It's it's. I think that one was translated kind of weird. And in the third panel, All Might has got this giant box of chocolates and it's translated and it says yummiest chocolates. And he looks real defeated. And the last panel is Aizawa eating the chocolates at midnight. It's like, where'd you get those? And he goes, I don't know. All Might left them in here. So I guess yeah. he just didn't want didn't to disappoint Ida.
1: Yeah, this one says All Might brought it for the kids, but he wimped out.
0: <laughs> That's what Aizawa says. So the second one is called If It once You Don't Succeed. Uh, and it's a follow-up to this, so All Might's excited because it's after class, and he's going to bring all of the kids the sweets that he brought them, except this time, during lunch, all of the kids just ate nothing but, like, sweets and sugars and stuff. So, after class, he's about to bring them their chocolates, and one of them is saying, oh, I can't see another sweet again, or I'll die. And yeah. then he's all defeated, and so he's he's back in the teacher's lounge, sitting there, and he's, he's just all upset, and midnight's like, it's okay, we'll figure it out one day.
1: Yeah, he's like almost seated uh, like seated in this like like vertical fetal position where he's got he's like mm-hmm. hugging his knees to his chest. Yeah. And I also like Izawas line here too because he just says nothing good comes from going above and beyond. It's almost like his tiny jab at uh plus ultra a little bit.
0: It is, yeah, for sure.
1: Yeah, I jump I jump way forward I think because all four the rest of mine are kind of in the last in 19 and 20.
0: Well, most um, of mine were in the early like- 11 through 15 I didn't really find a lot of the ones in the later chapters all that great they were just okay to me
1: I did I, I liked a couple of these so you still want to go back and forth or do you want to catch up chronologically no, go
0: ahead uh because my next one is actually in chapter 17 so let's go chronologically
1: okay so go ahead then because my next one's not until chapter 19 it's the f- oh, first wow, one okay. of chapter 19
0: well so uh mine are the ones in chapter 17 and 18 so I'll just go ahead and do both of mine right. uh, the first one is called how their bond of fate began and it's Shigaraki, like, analyzing Aizawa's fighting style, and he goes through and, like, exactly word for word what Deku did in the, a couple strips before that. And so in his, he's, he's, like, analyzing it, and then he sees off to the side that Midoriya is analyzing it. I think it's 13 that says something like, wow, you've got great analyzation skills. And then it switches over to Kurogiri, who's standing there and, like, patting Shigaraki on the shoulder, and he says, Shigaraki, you've got great analyzing skills as well. Don't feel alone.
1: Yeah. And I just
0: thought that was really funny. Like, he had to try and step up and be a teacher for him or something.
1: I, see, I, I took it as, like, yeah, he was trying to console Shigaraki, and Shigaraki gets upset. In, the, in this version, Shigaraki yells at him, shut up, it's too little, too late. Like, yeah. He, like, um, what, what's this guy's name again? Kirogiri. Kirogiri. Um,
0: but he was called something different in, in my version of the Smash comics. Oh, really? Yeah, he was called Black Mist. Oh, interesting. Maybe that's a
1: trans, that might be a direct English translation of his name. I don't remember.
0: Oh, that's true. I hadn't thought of that.
1: Um, Yeah, it almost feels like in that comic strip, like he was just being like, There, there, I heard you doing the same thing too.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like real kind of condescending. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Uh, And then my last one was in chapter 18. It's called No Need to Tell Him. And it's where Kirishima and Bakugo are trying to fight off villains in USJ and Kirishima gets captured. And of course, at this point, I think they kind of realize that they don't know what their quirks are at least the villains don't know what the kids quirks are and so kirishima's going to tell bakugo like hey just blast me i'll harden up and before you can even finish the sentence bakugo's just blasting him, and he's like oh okay no need to think about me then <laughs>
1: yeah. that's pretty good those two make a good combat duo they and, uh, do i think we've they talked do. before that some people take like combat efficacy and turn it into like shipping and <laughs> I think that's a strange jump, but uh, I think that's part of uh, their ongoing friendship is 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 just that you know it's they, yeah. they have this this compatibility um, with their quirks and it makes them well, good partners on in a battle.
0: Absolutely, and I realized that that was probably where their friendship began because. Earlier, that's you know, in that same day, whenever Bakugo was on the uh, bus headed to USJ, people were talking about how his personality was dog poo. In fact, in one of the comics, I don't know how it was translated for you, uh, but in my version of it, they they say that his personality is akin to a a turd steaming in the sewer, and I was like, that's perfect. (laughs) I'd have to look
1: that back up. Um, They definitely said something like that on the bus ride to the usj because i remember commenting about that in the amp yeah
0: but then i just you know i it made me realize that this was probably where their relationship started as far as you know their friendship goes and just being battle partners because if this hadn't taken place then when they needed to rescue bakugo later and kirishima was the one that reached out and grabbed his hand that never would have taken place either like he they wouldn't have had that friendship built out so interesting so that's that's all yours Oh uh, yeah, those are all mine. I mean, I've got a bunch more written down, but just in case we didn't have any that overlapped, you know. Uh, but it sounds like this time we didn't have as much. So. Sure,
1: sure. I've got, I've got four more. Okay. Um, let's see. Uh, and this one, this one's the first one of chapter nineteen. It's called Sweet Silence. Um, <laughs> this one was, this one is, uh, it it has Tokoyami and um and Kato are together. Koda, not Kato. Coda, um, are together in like the hurricane rescue area zone and the villains are just like, you can't possibly hear each other in this storm, which means you have zero hope of pulling off combo moves in battle. And then they pull off this combo move and the villains are like, that's impossible. And then in like little, uh, like commentary boxes on the last panel, it says, you see for this uh, taciturn twosome. Who had weathered the storm of their more, let's say, spirited classmates, this was a piece of cake. And in the background, you see like Bakugo yelling, Ida yelling, Mina <laughs> yelling, which is like all they do all the time. So these two quiet guys had like formed their own quiet bond and ability to communicate together or to one another in all that ruckus. And I really like that. That was a cool touch. Have we seen the two of them hang out much in the actual anime?
0: I don't Tokoyami think
1: so. and Koda. Uh, we haven't really
0: seen so. much of Koda in the anime at all, though. I mean, really, yeah. we only saw him, I guess, when he teamed up with uh, Jiro when they fought Present Mike and when they were training at the summer camp. But other than that, like, he's just I want to say been a background character, but that's really the best way to describe him.
1: Yeah, there's uh, my next one is kind of a two parter. There's. um apparently ojiro got transported into a spot like all on his own in into the fire zone with no other students and so the villains are there too and they're like uh which one of these guys is the bat is is the student that got warped over here nobody knows Um, yeah and it (laughs) says that ojiro's quote is that his most standout quality is that he doesn't stand out at all yeah um so, in the very next one, which is crazy because the man has a giant tail. Like, how do you miss yeah, this? Yeah, like, um,
0: how do you, how does that not stand out?
1: Right. But they, they run with that gag anyway, because in the next one, he catches up with Bakugo and Kirishima, and uh, they go to fight him. And he's like, wait, wait, you jerk. It's it's me, uh, Ojiro. And Bakugo's like, you're one of us? And Kirishima says, he seems like a decent guy, Bakugo. Let's hear him out. <laughs> and Ojiro's just like, I sit two seats in front of you.
0: That one, I really that liked... The way that was translated for me was when he shows up, uh, Bakugo just says, we had a kid with a tail in our class? <laughs> I was <laughs> like, oh, man. <laughs> and good. Kirishima just says, well, he seems like he's saying he's a hero. We should trust him. Uh.
1: All right, my second to last one. My last one is actually I handpicked for you. Um, so oh, okay. I'm excited to get to that one. But my second to last one is called tape a um, It's like etiquette, except with tape at the beginning. And it's during the battle uh, at the USJ. And they're all uh, a handful of the students. It's like uh, Ochako. Uh, let's see who else has run around. They're, they're, a bunch of students are trying to grab tape out of Sarah's arms. Um, Sato is there. Um, uh, Shoji and Mina, they all run up and grab tape out of Sarah's arms and run off. And then um, when Ochako and Sato leave, you see how they leave the tape. So Ochako does the thing. This is what I tend to do with tape if it doesn't, if it's not on a dispenser of some kind, is I kind of fold it back onto itself about a quarter of an inch. That way you never have to find it, the little crease again, you know? hmm yeah. Um, so she does that. She folds it back a little bit. Sato, on the other hand, just like straight up rips it off. And then you have Mina and Shoji And Mina, of course, it like melts and it's like in tatters. And then Shoji takes it and folds it back and sticks it back onto Sarah's arms. And Sarah just says, you can tell a lot about someone's personality, just about how they handle a tape dispenser. And I thought that I thought it was just fun. Neat. It's not really funny. It's just an interesting comic strip to me because I'm totally the Ochako in this. I fold the tape back.
0: That's interesting because that so that strip for me was translated in such a way that I had no idea what was going on. But I like (laughs) that. That's funny. That's really cool.
1: All right, my last one. I picked this one just for you. Um, it's one of the last ones. Um, it's called Chopped Liver. And uh, it's the, the battle has kind of come to a head at the USJ. And Ochako turns around and she hears somebody saying, Sorry, everyone, that we were a little late. And she turns around and it's present Mike. And then everybody's just like, Huh? Only him? And then,
0: (laughs) and then, uh,
1: (laughs) then they see like other heroes walking up behind them. And, um, Sue says, thank God, some of the actually strong teachers showed up too.
0: Yeah. That one, I was like, man, just dissing present Mike on that. That felt so bad for the guy.
1: Totally dumped on present Mike.
0: Those are my, that's the end of my 10. Those are good ones. I like those. Uh, these were fun. I I had one runner up in in chapter 20. I was going to bring up if you didn't, because I really liked this one, Uh, but it didn't make my top 10. It was, it was number 11. It was called Brain Matter, and it's when All Might first starts to fight the Nomu, and he just stops, and he goes, hey, uh, are you all right? Because, like, your brains are totally out in the open. And and then he goes into, like, punching the brains, and he says, oh, man, it's like crushing a cricket's abdomen. And I thought that was just so, I don't know, All Might just going on about how gross punching brains is had me cracking up. Hmm.
1: That's pretty good. It was fun. Volume one's fun. I haven't read beyond this one. I only own volume one, um, but I'd be interested in reading more. I think it's fun on multiple levels now um, because it's kind of like we're revisiting, you know, you had said at the end of our last episode that you were, you might go ahead and just rewatch the whole thing from the beginning. Um, And this is kind of like a a roundabout way of doing just that kind of going back and revisiting some of those moments um, from throughout the show's history to us now, you know, we, this is how we came to the show. This is, this is where we started, man. This is the roots of the A&P is, is, um, volume one of, uh, of smash. And so it was kind of fun and nostalgic just to retread those things. And I, I imagine some of that magic might get lost, um, if they got really current, um, to some of the stuff that I've seen more recently, but it wouldn't diminish the fun and the kind of the hilarity and the creativity around alternate takes to some of these things. So
0: yeah, totally. And I wasn't expecting it to to play out like this. Like I, I guess I just assumed, when I heard My Hero Academia Smash, it's a you know collection of comic strips of the characters. I just assumed it would be like random events that happened, not necessarily canonical events, like things that actually took place. So getting to kind of reread it from the beginning and being like, oh yeah, I remember that scene, or I remember seeing this one particular part, and then having this different view on it, it's been a lot of fun. Like I, I'm planning on continuing to read through these. So if uh, you guys like hearing us talk about these, and if you like reading a Madkins, then we definitely should just keep reading through these volumes.
1: Yeah, definitely. I'm up for it. Um, In the meantime, let's say we maybe plan on tackling some portion of the first volume of Vigilantes next, just to, yeah. you know, um, kind of take a shotgun approach to some of this auxiliary or tangential MHA stuff and see what people in Discord and Twitter think of uh, the different trails that we could possibly run down and, you know, hop, skip and jump down some of the more favorable ones that they would like to see us um expose ourselves more and more to i mean it doesn't mean that if we if they're like we want to we want you to cover all the vigilantes doesn't mean that we're not going to read smash because we we really enjoyed this it's very light and fun to us so
0: yeah and i mean the filler episodes are always a great thing right like if the if the show can do filler episodes we can too
1: absolutely but let's get to, so let's plan on that. We'll say that maybe we'll, we'll cover some portion, maybe all of volume one, but probably not. I mean, we, we never really, um, when we're covering a couple of episodes of the actual anime, it never encompasses an entire volume. Um, so I would imagine that maybe we take several chapters, split it in half or something like we did with Smash. Yeah, so if like- you have the uh, manga, the first volume of Vigilantes, um, then maybe you can read along or find it yourself, hunt it down, and uh, maybe uh, you know, come to it brand new like we will and, and be a part of that with us.
0: Yeah, I get the feeling that you're really going to like Vigilantes, only because I've heard there's a lot of Izawa background in that, uh, that series.
1: I have too, and I have volume one, and I may have read part of it when I first bought it, um, but I haven't done really anything beyond that, so I'd be curious to kind of pick that back up. And I know it takes place prior to the happenings of my hero. I don't know if it ever catches up or if there's overlap or anything like that. Uh, that'll be stuff that I learn as I go. So, uh, but yeah, I have heard that, that uh, it, it definitely, as is brought, brought in pretty early and um, gets some, some special attention um, it, in the pages of that comic. So I'm excited about that as you, as you, as you might guess if you've listened to this podcast at all.
0: Yeah, for sure. So out of curiosity, uh, this week we were going to cover two new characters uh, as our casting goes. So we have May Hatsume and Minetta. Uh, I'm curious, who did you cast for Mei Hatsume, man? Okay. Um, May took me a little bit of time.
1: Um, I struggle with Minetta, and I'll talk about why in just a second. But um, for May, I ended up going with uh, a young actress named Natalie Allen Lind. She plays... One of the Strucker twins on The Gifted is one of the things that she's been in, and I haven't watched enough of The Gifted. I need to. I keep hearing that it's it's pretty good. Um, she's very very attractive young lady. I have no idea how old she is, but she doesn't seem terribly old. I think she's got to be passing for like a late teenager in that show if I'm remembering right. So Natalie Allen is A L Y N, and she plays Lauren Strucker on The Gifted. Very pretty. Um, you know, for May, I don't want to cast. Somebody who is like a really big star because we don't really see much of May. I would like to see more of May. I I I genuinely like her as a character concept—just this goofy, ditzy, um, you know, young lady who is this mechanical prodigy. Um, I think that she would be fun as a m- more frequently occurring character. So I don't want to like go straight A-lister, um, but I've I've also seen some of this stuff that Natalie Allen Lind has done, and I could see her doing that well. She's attractive. I mean, what. Really, I don't know what else more you need from that. <laughs> you <Yeah>. know, <laughs> totally. for for May, given what we've seen of May, she just needs to make Deku blush, and I think that she could do it.
0: Yeah, that and have like a bit of a, an eccentric personality.
1: Yeah, she needs to be able to make Deku blush and make Ochaco jealous, and I think that Natalie Allen Lynn could do both of those. So who'd you I cast? I could see that.
0: I could see that. Uh, so I ended up going with uh, Emma Stone for that uh, character.
1: She was one of the ones that I was considering, but again, I was like. That's that's a big name, you know. It is a big um, name, yeah, yeah. But so I,
0: I don't I know. Felt, I just it felt I strange. Felt, I felt like she could pull off that personality, though. You know, oh, it was she was one hundred percent could
1: do the personality.
0: Yeah, it was between her and uh, Cara Delevingne for me. Um, I also okay. liked the the actress, the the daughter from Kick Ass. But I remember you you had cast her as Toga. So at least I think that's who you had cast as Toga. Yeah,
1: Chloe Grace Moretz. You mm-hmm. mean? Yeah, No, yeah, I yeah. think I have her as a Chaco.
0: Do you have her as a Chaco? Okay, I thought that I there was so. one that you said could go for both, but I don't remember.
1: It probably was um, Chloe Grace Moretz, though.
0: Yeah, but I liked, I liked her for May, except you had cast her already, and I was like, okay, well, we got to keep this a little, you know, we can't just yeah. recast everybody. True, um, true. So, true. was hard, because I had a bunch of ideas going through my head. At first, I don't know if you remember the, the actor or the character, uh, there was an old, I think it was Disney, uh, they had a TV show called Even Stevens. And there was this kid named Beans that was just like the random neighbor that would show up at their house. And for some reason I was like, I could see that kid being Minetta.
1: Okay. Uh, I know exactly who you're talking about. And he was on my list, my short list of folks that I was like, if I was following Adam's rules, this kid would be a pretty good It's Menorah Minetta. And yeah. Exactly that that guy. I don't I not yeah. I don't remember his name, but I don't
0: either. Uh but I just I kept Picturing him. Uh, and then there was another kid that my wife had mentioned that I really liked. And it was, um, he was actually in a movie named the kid. It was, uh, this, this child actor that was supposed to be the kid version of, uh, Bruce Willis in that movie. Let me look up his name real quick. Spencer Breslin is what I believe his name is. Spencer. I don't know. Spencer Breslin. Let's yeah. See. He's grown up quite a bit now, um, but okay. he, he would have been a good Manetta back in the day, I think. Uh, he was also in that awful Cat in the Hat movie with uh, Mike Myers. I don't know if you remember that. That movie was nuts.
1: I never watched it. Um,
0: yeah. Don't, <laughs> even, don't even bother. But yeah. regardless, the one that I decided to go with uh, was Finn Wolfhard from Stranger Things and the It series. Uh the reason I chose Finn Wolfhard is because I was thinking like in it uh he did a really good job of kind of being that like perverted teenage kid but also having it kind of be light and like kind of like fun-heartedness perversion if that makes sense. Um and I was like I wanted someone to play Minetta and have that same kind of like pervy comedy but at the same time not take it too far and I feel like he could do a great balance of that.
1: I don't I don't remember him in it. Um yeah, but it's, he, I only watched was, it the one time. I need to rewatch it, really.
0: I, uh, I really enjoyed part one, but part two just fell flat for me.
1: Because here's, here's where I struggled with Mineta is, number one, I thought of three people that I was like, oh, these people would be great. How old are they? And they were like in their 30s now because they were, you know, kid actors in shows that, you know, 20 years ago. You know what I mean? Um, right. One of the ones that I thought came closest was the kid who played Brick in the middle. Um, his name is Atticus Schaefer or Schaffer. Um, he's only 21, so he's closer to age. Um, but I, I kind of struggled because I was like, I was trying to think of what you eventually found. And I, I don't recall Finn in it. Um, and I was trying to think, okay, who has already done kind of pervy comedy as an appropriately aged person for this role? Because I didn't want to say, take, take this child actor and then give them the lines and turn them into Minora Mineta, because that felt like it was just unfair to that actor for me sure, to be yeah. like, hey, child star, now <laughs> you're a, a forever perf, you know? Um, right, right. So I was trying to think, whose parents have already said, yes, my kid could be portrayed this way, instead of, what kid could I make do this, port- this portrayal, <laughs> okay. if that makes sense? Sure,
0: no, that, that totally makes sense. Like, you don't, you don't want to, like, be the... Uh- Oh, uh, what's the word I want to use? You don't want to be the tainter of innocence, you know?
1: Right, right. So I ended up basically not casting anybody <laughs> because <laughs> I was just like, I don't want to be that guy. who's <laughs> was just like, yeah, take this, this innocent kid from Disney Channel and give him Manetta lines. That's um, so funny. I think uh, the closest I was willing to come was when I cast uh, the other guy from um, Stranger Things a couple weeks ago for... Um, for Kaminari mm-hmm. and thought that he could do, uh, he could go either way, and I think that you could potentially still do that, got in Um, but yeah, I just felt I was just like, nah, man, I, I couldn't in good conscience. You might just have to leave Mineta out <laughs> <That's funny>. <laughs> somehow. <laughs> I
0: don't think uh, we could create a live action without Mineta, although I will say I looked up Atticus Schaffer and he, I could see that, like, I could see him playing that character. He just kind of has this look on his face that that reminds me of Manetta. Uh, but as far as like I don't want to say tainted children, but as far as like kids that have done, you know, acting that is more adult oriented, what about the kid from Bad Grandpa? He would be perfect. I thought I had that Uh, same idea at one
1: point, but I couldn't figure out. I didn't ever Google it. Um, So, and I I don't even know what this kid looks like. Um, But that was the only other kid that I've been
0: like, "Eh, yeah, I don't
1: know. He looks really young.
0: He is. I think he's only like maybe nine or 10 uh, in that movie, which came out, gosh, I guess back in 20, yeah, 2013. So he's probably like 16 now, I would think.
1: Yeah, maybe. I'd have to look at a picture of him today, because at least then you already know that mom or dad has been like, we we know, we signed him up for this, you know? Like,
0: we want money. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I mean, like, I guess I just, the way I see it is if you've traveled with Johnny Knoxville for any amount of time as a child, you're probably going to be fine playing Mineta. True, true.
1: I think for next time we talk, let's cast Aoyama next time.
0: Ooh, Aoyama's a good one. Okay.
1: I want to cast Aoyama. I think that, that he's got enough exposure inside of the anime and uh, like character quirkiness, not like power quirkiness. Um, that I think we could have some fun trying to figure out who you could slot to be the eccentric uh, in the kind of very uh, uh, out there in, in body and, you know, very not illustrative. Um, What's the word I'm looking for? Um, Just very energetic, I guess. Yeah, he is, a, uh, he is
0: very energetic.
1: Yeah. Finding somebody that, that could pull this off would be do interesting. We, I have no we idea. we would do a, who I'm
0: uh, a teacher as well? Because we normally go from student to teacher and teacher to student. This time we'd be doing students back to back.
1: I mean, I don't know who of the major teachers we haven't really done that would, I mean, like we That's did, true. let's see, Cementos and we, Vlad King. Power Loader, Ectoplasm,
0: Snipe. So many of them wear masks, so it could really be anybody, too. Right, right. Hmm. Okay. Well, let's just go with Ayama. I like that. Okay. That'll That's give us time when we think about who
1: else we want to cast, because we're kind of running thin on Class 1A at this point.
0: We really ought to be writing these down so that way we know who we've cast. Because I'll be honest, I've forgotten who all we've cast. (laughs) That's true. I need to go back
1: through the episodes and start figuring out who we've done too. So I'll I'll try to do that here over the course of the next couple weeks.
0: Eventually, I'll put it all up on the website. That way we've got it. And then maybe we can even enable the comments and you guys can talk about who you would prefer to cast as that character. That'd be fun.
1: Yeah, that sounds like fun. I think that's all we got for tonight,
0: yeah. I think so, yeah, man. Uh, so next week, or you know, whenever we record next, uh, it sounds like we're going to be covering uh, some of Vigilantes.
1: Sounds good. Looking forward to it.
0: Awesome. Have a good week, guys. See you guys. almighty podcast is brought to you by the back patio network you can follow us on twitter at almighty pod or follow at back patio net for all network news if you enjoyed what you heard go check out our patreon patreon.com back patio network you can help support the network get access to early episodes and lots of other great stuff if you want to get to know us come hang out in our discord channel we have lots of fun and would love to have you in there my name is adam and you can follow me on twitter at the real simso s-i-m-s-o